Shelley and I are going to answer some questions that you've given us, some really tough ones. Uh, so we, uh, we really do and have been inviting that the Lord would uh, give us his wisdom. But I do want to set the, the stage, so to speak, as we say. Um, we're in the, the epistle of Paul to the Ephesians, and everything is rooted in Jesus Christ. And when we get to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, which is what we're looking at, even here, and we saw this uh, a couple of Sundays ago when I specifically taught on this, uh, these four verses, we're specifically, again, brought to the Lord. In fact, when he says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, this morning our focus is ultimately on the Lord as we were invited to his table, the bread and the cup representing his, his life given for ours. And that's significant because even as we sang, there are horrors associated with crucifixion. There are horrors associated with death. But what is significant it's not the kind of death alone, but the man, the person that died on that cross for us. And it is that person who has risen from the dead. This is at the heart of our faith, a living faith, a living relationship with the Lord. And even though we're going to be talking about parenting, parenting cannot be in any way separated from the work of the Lord in our lives as parents, in our lives as children. My life began with Jesus Christ. The significant changes, all the, the joys and insights, truths and wisdom that I may have to share from being a parent these years is all rooted in the Lord. So I don't want us, there's plenty of room for wisdom always, but I don't want us to think that somehow it's the wisdom itself that accomplishes our purposes and our focus. Let me read these verses for us before, uh, before we go on. Verse one, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. That it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Um, our small group, our, our group, uh, answered a question this last week one of the questions that we discussed in it was if you were to write a book on parenting, what would be the title? And here were the titles that we shared just off the, off the top of our head. Uh, heads, be purposeful. Boy, that's a good piece of advice right there. Be purposeful. Uh, another title, uh, you don't get a do-over. I suppose that could be a subtitle. Be purposeful, you don't get a do-over. A third was parenting, it's a crapshoot. <laughs> I don't know if you're familiar with that. Uh, it's a gamble, <laughs> a risky or uncertain matter. Uh, 
Uh, here's another title, Be Present. And that's certainly necessary. Really be present. Uh, another was the child challenge. And uh, the final one that we came up with or that somebody offered was the days are long, but the years are short. And that's why we need to really get to it. Uh, the minutes, I hope, are not long, but they certainly are short. I'm going to ask Shelly to come up and uh, join me. The first question that uh, we want to address, and, and some of these were given us a couple weeks ago. We didn't have ch time to answer them. Our child is still very young. What patterns and habits should we start now with them as a couple, personally? Are you going to sit down? Am I on? No? Nope. I'm her handyman. He tries. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, opened, I, I opened a bottle that uh, true. she couldn't open the other day, Starbucks, and I danced. I was at Starbucks, I, and I had some liquid stevia in my purse because I'm trying not to eat sugar. And so I couldn't get it open because it was sticky. So like four teenagers or from COS came through, and they probably thought I was a weird lady. But I said, hey, hey, kids, can you try to open this bottle for me? None of them can do it. I said, no pressure. It doesn't. Nobody's been able to get it open. I tried the Starbucks person. Um, but John did get that open, so that was, that was good. Um, we, we, we talked about this, I think, last week, too. So I don't think we should spend a lot of time okay. on this one. But I do think when your children are young, if you have new, newborns, infants, the main thing is to start communicating. Start talking about what your goals are for your child, what your goals are for your family. Do you have a motto for your family? I think I brought that up when we did marriage. I think that, we didn't do that, but I think that would be an excellent place to start so that you, both parents, if both parents are in the home, have a clear direction. And start praying. It's never too early to start praying about what you will do with your children and how um, and again, consistency. Yeah, start praying on your own because mm -hmm. your kids will force you to your knees. Mm -hmm. True. <laughs> yeah. I think also it's why you need to communicate is it's really important to be on the same page with your uh, uh, spouse, because I know John and I came from totally different families, and we, we were both firstborn, so we had some attributes that were similar, but, you know, we had a really different way of looking at things, so I think it's important to be on the same page as much as you can. Um, it doesn't mean you're going to do everything exactly the same, but that consistency is important. Well, and certainly agree together on, on things. Never disagree in front of the kids work out those disagreements in private, always stand up for each other. You're a team as parents. So support one another. And if you think of it in, the, in terms of a team, I think that will help you to understand the dynamics. Uh, one time my son came to me as a young adult, uh, still though in, in our home, and he'd had a disagreement with his mom, and he, he came and started kind of bad-mouthing his mom to me, and I just... I said, whoa, whoa, I, no, don't say another word. I said, you're talking about the woman I love. And that wasn't just a team thing. I mean, I, I was telling him the truth. I, you're talking about the woman I love that I've married, your mother. I want you to show some, some respect. So you give each other that 
that also, total John, you support. did that with Jordan when he was young, too. I remember we were living in South San Francisco, and he was having a, a day um, and was really being disrespectful to me, and John just stepped right in. Even, I think Jordan was like eight, and he said, you will not talk to your mother that way. I love her, and that is my wife. And Jordan just kind of looked with big eyes. And it, I'm not saying it made it perfect all the time, but I think it made an impression on him. Well, and we wanted to pass on to our children our love for each other. We want them to see that they come second. Because that's important. They need to know that they're not the center of everything. That's part of our problem as people. That's the very nature of sin, our selfishness. So you want your children to understand that uh, mom gets a hug first and then my arms are open to scoop you up and hold you close because we do love our children that much. But because we do, we have to teach them and not just enjoy them. Uh, I would also, one thing I think about our Lord alerts. Um, that's what I call them, Lord alerts. I want to bring the Lord into the natural conversation and the outlook of our home so that we realize, so our kids realize that, that he's a part of everything. And he, he's not just for Sundays or an event at church that we go to, but he's a part of the way we see the world. We see him in our world, and he is a part of our world. Um, Question two, uh, of course, pray, by the way, with your children before you, that was something we always did. We went to, when we tucked them into bed, we prayed with them, and it wasn't just a, a, a little rhyme or something. It was a time that we talked about things in life, and, and we brought that stuff uh, to the Lord. How do we know the proper form of discipline to to respond with? Well, again, as we talked about last week, you have to know your child. And also what is developmentally they're able to do, as John uh, said last week, a temperament of your child, you can't treat every child the same. You might have the same principles, the same goals, but you might have one child who is super sensitive I mean, I was a very sensitive child and very compliant. And if my parents had been really harsh on me, um, and actually there was a little time when my mom was harsh on me, and it, it really affected my demeanor. It affected my self-confidence. And I wasn't a bad kid at all, but I was so overly sensitive that that crushed me. So I think you have to really know your child. Um, some are definitely more strong-willed. Um, they do better at bouncing back. As a parent, as a mother, as a woman, I tend to, to like more positive reinforcement than negative. Now, not that like now getting down and saying, why did that happen? Or what could you have done? What could you have done better is a better, a good question, but not giving them the reins. But I do think positive, positive reinforcement, catching them when they're doing behavior that you're um, encouraging and you're wanting, catching them in that and saying, wow, I just love it when you do that, or that is so great the way you were treating your brothers and sisters, not just always going to the negative. We tend to do that way too much, and some of our personalities tend to do that more. So I think catching them in uh, positive, uh, good behavior and 
rewarding that just even with your words of affirmation and a hug. I think there is a place for spanking. I'm not a huge... And, and again, what John and I are talking about doesn't... I mean, some of you may totally disagree. There are biblical principles, but then there are a lot of principles in the Word that give us leeway, don't you think, yes. John? Yeah. As I said last week, accident, ignorance, defiance, that helps you to distinguish... Uh, you know, what you should discipline. Um, the acronym I use is AID. And it's an aid to us if we make, uh, can see the difference between an accident, ignorance, and defiance. Uh, kids read our emotions and they respond. That doesn't mean you should become fake. It means that you should explain yourself and explain what you expect of them. Explain things. That's very important. That's really fundamental to teaching. I, I, I grew up in a home where, because I said so. And yet I've found that as a teacher and as a human being, I, I motivate by helping people understand what they're doing it for. What's the reason behind it? What's the objective? Why are we doing what we do? And that, when you practice that, it can open up all avenues of communication with your children. So and, I think John, that's very important. When you were told, do it because I said to do it, how, how did you respond to that? Well, I did it because if I didn't, I would get a whipping. But what was your heart? Uh... I can answer it. Well, I know. <laughs> I'm thinking when I was very young, and, and then it, all that wasn't clear. I thought that's just the way life was. You were very so I, rebellious. I did rebel. Yeah, you were very rebellious. And I'm not proud of that, but yeah. My dad, there was a day when I was big enough, and that was the last time dad did that. Not that children should obey their parents. That's not what I'm saying, but... I think, uh, and you know, a lot of times there's a lot of natural consequences that occur uh, with children when they do things that they're not supposed to do, whether it's treating kids at school a certain way, then all of a sudden they don't have many friends. That's a natural consequence of poor behavior. So there are a lot of those. How should I prioritize my kids' church involvement with other activities? And then in parentheses, it reads uh, sports, school, activities, etc. And there's another question here that should be grouped with it. Should I take away church activities, even fun ones, from my child as a form of punishment? I'll let you answer that because I'm probably pretty predictable on that. <laughs> um, I think that... It's really important, again, to know what the priorities in your family are and what it is you're trying to get across to your family. Um, I feel like there's even people in this church that could answer this question better than me. I think of uh, uh, Lisa and Jody Allen. I think of Garrett and Jill Mays. And I, I mention them because I've come into contact with their children. And uh, one day, one of the Mays girls, I think it was a younger one, I can't remember, I, I know their names, but I don't want to say the wrong name, but... She was working in the nursery or something, and she came in her, I think it was her softball clothes. And I said, oh, and she goes, well, we have, you know, I have to be at church. So sometimes that means she, if the game started early, she'd go to the game, but then she would maybe have to leave at, well, uh, baseball doesn't have 
uh, halftime, but she would have to leave at a certain point and come to church. And she see, had a great attitude, and she shared with me, and I was so impressed with uh, what her parents had passed on to her and had made her know was important. Sometimes it meant coming to church and leaving early. So you have to figure out what's good for your family. We didn't really deal with this so much. I think there are times when families have way too many extracurricular activities um, and that it just, it takes over not only your church life, but your family life. You're not spending time together as a family. So I can't tell you what to do with your family, but I do think it's important that the Lord come first. Well, I think it's the presumption that we want our children, even as I began this morning, the child that you want to see as an adult is not something that will happen apart from the Lord. So in all parenting, and just like dog training, I really mean this, I know it's funny, but I have learned a great deal from training dogs about parenting. Your example is everything. Imagine you're working with a dog that cannot understand your sophisticated language and thinking, but they learn from what they see you do and your countenance and what you put first in your life. If you apply that to parenting, you'll begin to realize that in the decisions that you make, you may be saying one thing, but you're teaching them another thing. And I think that applies profoundly when it comes to our decisions about the centrality of Jesus Christ in our life and how we manage our time and our children's activities. And I can't ever imagine it being helpful to our common pursuit to use church as a form of punishment. So maybe, maybe there is, I don't know, but you have to make that message work for your kids. And, and we want the kids to want to be at camps and maybe overnight nighters and things like that. And again, you know what's going to work best for your child. But for me, growing up in the church and having, being exposed to my youth group leaders and small group leaders, my pastors, was so instrumental in my life. And sometimes they would say the exact same things that my parents would say, but I listened more and I thought, boy, they are so wise. And it wasn't that my parents weren't wise, but it was, they were my parents, you know, and I heard it all the time. So I agree with that. Do not withhold church activities. I just, to me, that just seems really silly and counterintuitive to what we're trying to do. But that's my opinion. In Christ, we should all be leaders in our home, work, wherever we are. But you can't lead anyone. You can't take them anywhere. You're not willing to go yourself. And you can't teach them anything that you aren't doing yourself, anything that you don't know, anything that you don't believe. So that's fundamental to being a parent. And that's a principle that if you can grab that, it'll help you unravel some of the particular problems that you may face in parenting. How do you train a child in actions that really need to be spirit-led by them? Uh, In brackets, apologizing, for example, or their attitude when they experience injustice. Um, And possibly 
actions that they should take when they're ridiculed, insulted, or humiliated, defending themselves against physical attack, should they turn the other cheek? I, you raised some really tough questions here. And wow, how, how do we handle a bully when we can't be there for our, our child? Can't be there to protect that child or guide them in the moment. Um, but we have to be principled in these areas uh, ourselves. We have to set an example in our home that is really rooted in Christ. If you're not willing to turn the other cheek, then it sounds ridiculous to me to advocate to your child that you should turn the other cheek. What I'm getting at is some of these questions come down to whether we're a Christian home um, because we ourselves are grounded in the Word, or is it kind of a Christian culture kind of thing, you know, where, um, yeah, well, if he hits you, hit him back. Give him a good smacking. Don't let him get up. I was taught when you fight, when they go down, don't let them up. And that sounds brutal, but that's the way we were taught to fight. You finish it, and you finish it fast. Now, the more I follow Christ, the more I become a person who willingly is absorbing wrong and insults, not because I think it's right or because I'm a pushover, but because I'm strong in the Lord or I want to be strong in the Lord in those moments to behave toward those situations as he behaves toward me. So those are, those are costly. We can't teach that kind of thing in our home. If, if we come to church on Sundays or there's a Bible on the coffee table, but by the rest of the time, we just revert the way our society says it's okay. And those are the tough calls that you're bringing into our perspective. And those are the tough calls that I can't, I can't give you regulations for. You have to teach that child. You have to develop that deep within them. I think that um, when you said that question immediately, I thought, how do I react when I've been treated poorly or um, hurt or bullied? Um, I, I thought of how I feel and all those feelings that come out. We've all been there at one point or another. I do think we have to look at what Jesus taught. He did teach to turn the other cheek, but I think that what he's meaning there, and John touched on it, is that we have to give up our right to be justified or give up our right to vengeance, which I think a lot of times when our child has been mistreated, we almost get that feeling in us, it's, it's even worse than what, if it happened to us. But that it's very important that you give up that, um, that feeling of having to have justice. I've read something really funny, I think it was Gary Chapman, but he said, teach your child mainly, if they get hit or something like that, and I've heard it a lot, hit them back, you need to defend yourself. Well, the main thing maybe we need to be treating our children is to get out of that situation and maybe not hit back stand up for yourself, confront that evil, but don't hit back and run if you have to. Gary Chapman said, I taught my kids, or maybe it was Gary Smalley, because he's funnier, lay on the ground like you're dead, and just lay there. 
And I thought that was pretty good. In other words, teach your child how to get out of it without retaliating. And I thought that was good because I would never teach my child to hit back. But I'm a woman. I know it's a little different for guys. But I think explanation is very important in those situations too. There were times with my children that I absorbed insult or wrong, but then I wanted to come back to them after we were past the parenting part of that and explain to them why I responded to them as I did and the difference between my response and that which I got from my father because I would have gotten maybe a slap across the face uh, or a smack down. I just wanted to add to that. Our son was attacked when he was in junior high. So we, it's not that we haven't been there. And it, it really traumatized him. He was like attacked by a bunch of kids at a horrible. new school. And it was horrible. And emotionally, it was very damaging to him. And we ended up having to change schools. So we are coming from a point where we know what it's know. like to have children who have been bullied. In fact, for months, I'm I was working on my PhD, writing my dissertation at the time, and every day I would go and get him for lunch because he couldn't go on the playground. It was horrible. Um, we got to move on to another question. And these next questions all kind of deal with more adult children. Um, does, I know children does not refer to married children living with their spouses. Does it, however, refer to young adult children living in the home? If so, how, do, how did you enforce this? Uh, please don't answer that if one had done a better job when the children were younger, one would not have, be having these problems. <laughs> and then I really appreciate this. I know you, Pastor John, would not say such a thing, but sometimes my own mind tells me that. Um, yeah, that kind of made me smile because it's kind of asking, how long do you have to keep your children? 75% of college graduates end up coming back for some period of time. That's, that's a pretty large percentage. That's a fairly recent. Our children have been back with us after they were out, we thought. One was, yeah. For four years, yeah. Um, When would you say they're an adult? What is adult? I mean, maybe there are, there, there's another question that hinges on this too, and I had written some things out, so I'll, I'll kind of pull these together. We're talking uh, about considerations of age, responsibility, and accountability. A parent, your role is to teach your child responsibility. I'd encourage every parent, if somebody came to me and said, we just had our first child, we want to be schooled in parenting. Well, I would, of course, of all the things we've been sharing, but start with a tight fist. Your job as a parent is to start with a tight fist for their protection, for their safety and security. But then as they gain a sense of responsibility, you relax your grip until they are on their own because they know how to ex exercise self-control and responsibility. Responsib being a responsible child and being accountable as a child are not always the same, and it does depend on parenting. It also depends on the development of the child. 
and there are differences between strong-willed and compliant children as well. So you may be in that mix, but you do want to realize that you are there to teach them responsibility and they need to suffer the consequences of their shortcomings and failures. That's how you prepare them for the real world. So if you're scooping them up and sparing them the consequences of their actions, always making life easier, then in a sense you're crippling them for real life. And you're not developing them uh, properly. As they... I have, over the years, seen parents come to Christ when their kids are adolescent, and all of a sudden now they want to clamp down on their children and correct all the things that they were rather oblivious to because of their own life and lifestyle. Uh, That requires a sit-down, especially with adolescents and young adults, because they can understand, and you need to be opening your heart to them and let them know where you are in your commitment, your walk with Christ. Even if they can point out failings, then you need to respond to that and make those corrections and say, hey, let's be in this together. Help me. Help me. But don't disrespect my faith and my commitment to Jesus Christ. And because of that, as long as you're a dependent, and that's the fourth thing I want to bring in, age, accountability, responsibility, are they a dependent on you? Are you paying the bills? Then you have say in that child's existence. But be Christian about it. Be Christ-like about it and, and use it as an occasion to talk more and to be an example of the faith that you want them to embrace because they respect and admire you. And I think we're not going to... We, do we need to close it off here pretty soon? Or uh, Go, go, go. Um, the thing is, is that we're going to have to combine a bunch of questions here is about adult children living in the home, adult children living out of the home who are probably sometimes making choices that you don't agree with and approve of. What is your... Um, you know, what is our role as parents? And I think... I, I like that you have a tight fist and it loosens... Not everyone grasps and catches what we've been trying to teach in our homes. And so what do you do when you have wayward children or children who have chosen to go a different way than you? Because let's be honest here, that is reality for a lot of us. And it doesn't mean that they won't like... John and I, I I was so glad I was right on this. Like I said, well, what about that verse... Train up his child in the way he will go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it, from Proverbs. Proverbs. 22.6. And I, I had thought it over and mulled it over, and I was so glad when I called John. I said, but that's, often we take that as a promise, but that, I said, I don't think that is a promise. I think that's wisdom, and a lot of the Proverbs tell us wisdom. It's good if you do this, and John agreed with me from all of his studies, so I was really glad about that. Not that it won't happen, Not that it won't happen, but there's a lot of wisdom that we can incorporate that we still should. I feel, and we did have an adult child in our home for four years, and it's tough. Having family meetings, the dreaded family meeting, um, is a good thing, communicating. I don't think, again, like we said last week, you've had 18, 19 years of pouring into your children, pouring, pouring into your children. I feel like at that point, if you've agreed to have them in your home, you need to sit down, talk about expectations. But I don't feel like at that point, for myself, that I can be demanding certain behavior or certain um, 
I don't want their hearts to become hardened. They know, they know what I feel, they know what my priorities are about the Lord, and the more we harp on our adult children, you may drive them away. Again, you may disagree with me, um, and you may disagree with me. I but, don't disagree but, um, Publicly. But I feel that... Uh, I'm gonna, can, I, can I share something real quick? This was from a devotional, and I know I'm, I, I just have a lot to say on this topic, but this was from, I have a new devotional this year by Christine Kane, Unshakable. It's very simple, very easily. And I thought about what is it with my, our adult children? We, want, we don't want to break the relationship. You want them to come to the Lord. You want them to make good choices. And uh, this is what she said, a healthy approach to relationships is to love others enough to let them make their own choices, in, their own choices instead of succumbing to your need to control and insisting on your choices. And yes, this means trusting people despite the fact that your trust muscle has been strained if not torn. It also, and I would say most importantly, means trusting in God's unfailing love. And trusting that he will be with you whatever impact other people, including your children, um, the decisions that they make. We need to learn to relax and let go and trust the Lord. I can't take credit for all the good things that my children have done, and I also cannot take all of the blame when they make choices. Have I been responsible? Yes. But at a certain point, our children do become their own person. And if they're in our home, and it's really out of control, I would say you have to set boundaries and give them a time limit. We had someone else living with us, and John sat down finally and said, okay, I think you gave them six months. And on this date, we think it's a good idea, so at least they, you're not like just kicking them out that moment. Gave them time to work, find a place to live, work through it, and also to repair our relationship if, if it needed to be. So uh, that's just... Most often, we feel it's still our responsibility to preach at them. Well, they know. They know. And sometimes that does push them away. That's a good place to stop. Yeah, we didn't have time to get through everything. We're sorry. There's so much. I would just encourage to, this is a body of believers. This is a family. We've been here almost 18 years. We've been through a lot. We've been through deaths. We have been here 18 um, years. 18 years. Uh, deaths, you know, premature um, Pregnancies, cancer, uh, deaths of children, deaths of spouses, and other very difficult hardships. Um, and reach out to others. Reach out to your R group. If you're not in an R group, find somebody who looks like they have a friendly face. <laughs> and just ask for prayer. Um, we need to be encouraging each other. We need to be there for each other. You're not alone. There's just so much brokenness all around us, and, and in all of our families, too. But it doesn't mean it has to stay there. And it, you can work on yourself. Thank you, sweetheart. Okay, I'm sorry.